Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, age successfully, making your second half of life even better than the first. At a time when we're living longer and healthier lives, one of our biggest worries now comes down to this question. How do we make sure we don't outlive our retirement savings? Yes, it's important that we pursue our current life to the fullest, as we've learned from the sudden losses inflicted by the pandemic. But it's also important to put together our best plan to meet the challenges, known and unknown, that we'll probably face in the later chapters of life. In today's episode, Ronald Roger, a widely recognized wealth manager and certified financial planner, talks about this longevity challenge, how to create such a plan. Starting with the fundamental question we all need to ask ourselves. How does our plan relate to our personal pursuit of happiness, a sense of fulfillment, purpose? What's really important in our life and what really isn't? Ron, the author of the incisive yet very accessible down-to-earth book, The Banker and the Fisherman, Lessons in Life, Happiness, and Wealth for the 21st Century, will take us through current strategies for saving and investing during these volatile times, as well as a new rule for retirement planning that we may need to explore as we move forward 45 forward. Ron will also offer some lessons in financial geriatrics, what we should consider in right-sizing our senior lifestyle, planning for later lifetime healthcare needs, and passing on our legacy and estate. Ultimately, Ron points out that we probably should be calculating what it will take for us to live to 100. Will we make it? Who knows? We can't predict what will happen, but we should plan for it because the odds are getting better all the time. So now, folks, it's time to meet Ron Roger. Ron, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Ron. Well, we've known each other for quite a while, Ron. I, I still have a copy of your book that, that I got in 2009, and I have to tell you, it holds up quite well. Uh, so before we talk about actually the parable of the, the bank and the fisherman uh, as a sort of a, a sense of um, what, what the issue is uh, overall, and tell us a little bit about yourself, about how you got into your field, and both in wealth management and financial planning. Um, well, it, was, it started out as a hobby. I was interested in investing and uh, over the years and uh, investing my own money and uh, started reading some books on financial planning. And um, at the time, I had a, uh, a broker that I was working with at uh, Prudential Beige, which was Beige and Company back then, mm-hmm. giving my age away. and uh, he had a fellow in the office they had a financial planner in the office that uh, I sat down with and uh, at the time the uh, financial planner had uh, uh, software to to do a a financial plan Um, and it got me really interested in financial planning and what I should be doing for myself um, and my family and uh, I started reading books on it and um, uh, I worked for the phone company at the time. I was an hmm. executive at the phone company. And one of my uh, colleagues um, had just uh, gotten married a little bit later in life. He was, at that time, it was late in life for uh, the people uh, right. at the age of 40. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not unusual today. Yes, right. Um, right. 
And uh, his wife was uh, very successful and she was starting to make uh, quite a bit of income. And uh, he knew I was interested in investing and he knew I had some knowledge about this. So um, I took it upon myself to try and help them and write a financial plan. And um, she had, uh, when I delivered the plan to them, uh, his wife uh, looked at me and said, uh, what are you doing at the phone company? You should be doing this for a living. <laughs> so that's the first time that that occurred to me that maybe I could do that and uh, started thinking about it and uh, started studying for the CFP. Right. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. Right. And, you know, now when I turn around and lock up the office at night, I say, how did all this happen? You know? Right. So right. But it's, uh, we're going on 35 years now. Right. Uh, the business right. is celebrating 35 years, the end of this month. Right. Congratulations. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So um, why don't we just talk, for those who may not be familiar with the, the parable of the bank and the fisherman, it's an interesting, it presents an interesting question for us. So why don't you just, for our listeners who aren't familiar, just give us a quick synopsis of what, what the... Yeah. The Actually, a client brought this in uh, to us, um, and they don't know where it came from, but they uh, they got in an email from somebody. Right. And uh, it's about a banker, an investment banker, uh, vacationing uh, someplace in Mexico right. uh, uh, near the ocean. And uh, he was standing on the dock and he was watching this uh, fisherman come in. Um, he was in a boat by himself. He had some fish that he had caught. And uh, he went over to speak with the gentleman and uh, started uh, a discussion with him about, uh, you know, catching the fish and the gentleman said, well, I, I, I go out every day. I catch what we need for my family, and uh, I, you know, bring it home to my wife, and she'll have it for dinner. And he said, well, what do you do with the rest of your day? And he said, well, I play my guitar. He said, I sit on my porch. And um, he said, uh, I take a siesta with my wife, mm-hmm. and then we have dinner. She cooks the fish. And so the investment banker said, uh, well, I think I might be able to help you. And uh, he said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I have a degree from Harvard and I'm an investment banker from New York. He said, uh, if you stayed out a little longer, you could catch more fish, sell those fish for additional money, buy a bigger boat. And so this whole parable goes on where, you know, now it's one boat and three boats. He's got a whole fleet. Now he's got his own canning operation. He's got, (laughs) you know, this big uh, business and, and, the fisherman said, then what? He said, well, then you move to New York, you know, you have your corporate headquarters there, and then we could sell the company for a lot of money. And he said, um, well, what am I going to do with uh, all that money? He says, well, you can retire to a, a nice place by the ocean, uh, sit on your porch, play your guitar, and you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> came full circle. So, right. You know, people view things differently. And that was the purpose of the parable. You know, people view things differently. Uh, He had everything he needed in life right there, you know. And uh, so this fellow came in and added all these complications to get him right back to where he started from. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think it it does, you know, present the issue of, you know, um, what are you retiring for? You know, right. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I think that your, your first questions in your book, I think, are, you know, absolutely germane, which is, you know, um, you do need to ask yourself those deep questions about how do you want to live, you know. I mean, I remember reading this book, you know, called The Number. Mm-hmm. And it was about, you know, how much do you need to retire? How much? What's the right. number? Right. 
And, you know, so he goes through this whole book and, and then the, the, the conclusion is, I can't give you the number because I don't know how you want to retire. You know, <laughs> I don't know what your values are. I don't know what you want to do, you know. Right. And so I think that's the first thing. Um, but but there is, uh, you know, an issue of, of just longevity. And I think this is something I, now if I recall, you, you did some work as a pension planner, too. Right. Well, I did. Yeah. For the pension, uh, for the, uh, you know, human resources at, uh, at New York Telephone. When I worked with Telephone, it was New York Telephone, then it became 9X. Now it's Verizon. Right. Um, right. And, right. Uh, yeah, we had uh, a pension plan. So, right. Right. But, you you know, you figured that, um, uh, you know, that that's the that's the one thing that's, that's it, is, it is, you know, constantly changing. You know, I think I read the other day that, you know, in this country, there are 97,000 centenarians, you know, people living to 100 and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think so that whether, you know, as you've said in the book, you know, you don't, um, you know, what's, uh, I think you, you can't later on, you, you said, you know, Noah's rule, you know, which is uh, predicting rain doesn't count, building arcs does, you know, so you need to plan. And, and, and now, as my correct, you're really, um, you're looking for most people, whether they get there or not, to plan to 100. Is that right? Well, we started that a number of years ago. Okay. You know? um, my wife, Roseanne, who's also a certified financial planner, back around 2000, uh, she was writing plans for our clients and um, she we were having a conversation one night and she said, you know, people are living longer than the, than the uh, actuarial tables. And she said, we have, we have we've had a client, what actually uh, started this, we had a client that just retired at age uh, 75. They, she, wanted to, she wanted to work. Her and her husband wanted to work to age 75. And they had just right. retired. And about six months after they retired, um, the uh, 2000 to 2003 recession hit. Right. Their son got laid off. Um, fortunately, he didn't have a family. He was not married. Uh, but he had to move back in with them. He had to give up his apartment and he moved right. back in with them. So now they were supporting him and that wasn't put in the budget for retirement. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what stimulated the conversation. I mean, this was unheard of, you know, um, 30, 40 years before that. Right. Um, you know, it just didn't happen. Those things right. didn't happen. Right. So, um, um, you know, so we started having that conversation. So we were planning to age 85 at the time which was just a little bit above the, uh, the actuarial tables. Right, right. And then I was asked to join the uh, board of TIA, CREF, uh, their advisory mm-hmm. board. They, they asked a bunch of uh, uh, independent financial advisors to come and, and work with them. And they were giving us data on uh, longevity because they were an insurance company. They were experts uh, on longevity. They had a lot of actual they if you're an actuary, they're the company you want to work for. They, right. they, they discover things in actuarial, you know, formulas and things like that. So uh, they were giving us feedback and we were telling them how we work. They wanted to learn how we were working. And um, so um, I was having lunch with the then chairman of TIA Pref uh, at, at one of our meetings and he happened to sit next to me. His name was John Biggs. Um, and, uh, he came up the ranks as an actuary in the company. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, John, what's an actuary's biggest fear today? And he said, well, you know, Ron, he says, you might, 
you might not have thought of this, he said, but our biggest fear right now is this human genome project. Hmm. They had not yet mapped the, uh, well, they were about to finish mapping the human genome. Right. He says, we don't know where that's going to lead us. Hmm. So um, I had said to him, well, what are you using now for like a whole life uh, insurance policy? What age do you think, you know, what age range are you? He says, we, we're now going to 104. And this was in uh, 2000. Wow. Yeah, this was in 2000. Right. So I had gotten that information plus the discussion Roe and I were having, and Roe convinced me that it move it up to 90. And those things kept happening. We kept getting more experience uh, with our clients, seeing that they're they're living older, their parents are living longer. Uh, and then we had moved it up to 95, I guess about five years later. And we've been using age 100 now probably since 2010. Wow. Yeah. 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 And um, I'm just fascinated by all of this gene editing and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. I really love that. Uh, right. You know, I like science in general. So, um, you know, my undergraduate degrees in chemistry. So I really enjoy anything with, you know, chemistry, biology, you know, wow. uh, and yeah. all this gene editing and uh, right. um, even well, the vaccine, that mRNA vaccine now with COVID. Right. Right. That, that actually, um, COVID actually uh, got people to sit down and think about their own life and what they wanted to do. I mean, right. it was, we, we've gotten more phone calls during COVID than we do during normal times. And really surprising to us. Ro was exhausted. She had to take off a couple of weeks ago for two weeks. And I told her, no work, you know, stay in Florida. I'm coming back up north here. Right. And uh, she, uh, she and Christine have just been, uh, you know, doing plan updates for clients, you know, clients that have been clients for a long time. And um, everybody is reevaluating right. uh, how they want to live uh, and what they want to do. And uh, uh, not so much longevity. I think uh, it was just about end of life. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many deaths during COVID. It right. really brought it to the forefront of the news and the media. Right. Um, and started those conversations at home that then they pick up the phone and call the financial advisor and start discussing uh, what they want to do. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, right. I, not sort of longevity, but certainly, you know, your initial questions about, you know, the meaning of life is how do you want to live your life? Cause it, it may unfortunately end suddenly, but so how do you want to live and how do you want to plan for the future? Right. Um, but, you know, assuming that we do live longer, um, I guess they're they're just you know you talk about a you know the planning process and I guess there there are really two two options that people you know should consider and and have to think about which is you know saving earlier and saving more and working later. I mean, have those conversations come up with you or, or uh... they do? Yeah, yeah. So um, you know the initial questions we used to get um, and. and uh, I think you know um, you may know Bob Berries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's a he's a journal. Well, he's he's in the financial planning industry. He he, he has a newsletter for financial advisors. And uh, a couple of about probably ten years ago, everybody was talking about longevity. Um, I think because of the uh, the human genome mm-hmm. issue, right? Um, and uh, so he was asking advisors. How, the, how do you plan for this? 
And I said to him, really, what you have to do is overfund mm-hmm. your, your uh, retirement plan. There's no, way to, there's no way to say, well, this is going to happen at this time. Right. There's no way to guess how long you're going to live. Um, so if you know that you're 100% funded and you can live you know, at age 100, and you could probably live to 105, maybe 110, depending on how uh, things go. Uh, it's all based on probability, uh, how long your assets last. Um, and uh, stress testing that, you know, for bad markets. And, and uh, there's, there's a, also a stress test that you have, you retire, and then right. three years in a row, we have a bad market, you know, and how long does it last after that? You know, so there's the, that's the kind of... Uh, um, stress testing we can do it's based on monte carlo uh, mathematics right you know, probability right and um so we we can get pretty uh, uh pretty accurate within a range mm-hmm. uh of uh, you know the probabilities that the money is going to last yeah um, well that's interesting i've heard of well obviously when the, the we had the, the financial crisis they were talking about stress testing the banks so you Sort of yeah. about to stress test yourself in terms of right, that. right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so um, we're going to take a break shortly, but, but I think what I wanted to get into is I, I think one of the issues, uh, at least from my perspective, is um, is the issue of saving. You know, and I think that you know, I think generally, um, you know, there there you hear these periodic um, you know criticisms about Americans just don't save. You know, they don't save enough. They don't save enough. And you know, part of my you know concern is that that one of the issues is that we don't we don't measure saving this in this country. But even when we look at the um, um, you know the health of the economy, you know, we talk about consumer spending. Spending, you know, there's no there's no value or financial value, at least I can tell, in terms of looking at the economy, in terms of what what's the saving quotient for the for it, um, and, and uh, you know. And, and sort of doesn't count. We know we, we, do, we know it does count, but we don't really acknowledge it. And I think that that's something that um, we need to really think about. You know, is how do we encourage it? And how, what sort of incentives are there to save? You know, right? Well, especially in a low interest environment now, it's sort of tough to do that's, that. That's all we've been hearing for years now. <laughs> you can't get anything at the bank. Right. right yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you have to. Um, uh, one of the one of the things that uh, we ask all of our clients to do is uh, put yourself on an automatic savings plan. Right. It okay. comes right out of the paycheck, goes right into your account. It's invested for you. You don't think about it. It's just another expense. Right. So you, if you think about it as an expense, um, and right. do it automatically. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to hold that thought. We're going to get back about uh, much more about saving and investing and shift to make that shift. Um, so, but we're going to take a, a short break. Uh, when we come back, folks, we'll be talking much more with Ron Roger. Uh, there's more to come, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. 
A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reingold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks, where we're talking today with Ron Roger. Um, Ron's what I call a big picture thinker and financial advisor who's been selected as a top wealth manager by several publications, including Bloomberg. Wealth Money Manager magazine, and recently one of Investopedia's top 100 financial advisors. So, Ron, before the break, we were talking about you know savings, and I wanted to transition a bit into saving and investment. And one of the things that you and I were talking about, you know, because of the low interest rate environment, you know, it sort of uh, changed the dynamics of you know investing to a great degree. It has, um, and and. Um, as a as a money manager, um, one of, you have you have three tools really. Basically, you have stocks, bonds, and cash in a portfolio. Three three asset classes, and uh, we kind of use those as tools for rebalancing the portfolio. We set mm-hmm. targets for those, and uh, you know, in the last uh, ten years or so, with um, even more, uh, with low interest rates, uh, money market funds are paying almost nothing. So. Money market funds are considered in the cash category. Right. And uh, so one of the tools we had, you know, uh, we're coming off a 30-year uh, bull market in bonds. And, um, you know, as, as you uh, start to go into a bear market in bonds, you know, the rates, the rates are as low as they are now. The rates will start to go up, but the value of the bonds in the portfolio will fall. There's an inverse relationship to mm. the interest rate and, and the uh, – the value of the bond itself. So a uh, financial advisor can raise the cash value. You don't want to, you don't want to totally eliminate bonds because you can't guess whether the rates are going up or down, right. but you, you, you can increase the asset allocation to cash to give yourself a little bit of a buffer. Um, and, uh, and, and as interest rates do go up, money market fund interest rates go up too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a tool that financial advisors use to try to manage the risk inside the portfolio. And right. that's gone. That, that, that has been gone now for right. you know, a number of years. So it's always been, although we still have to have cash because the clients use uh, you know, a, a small portion of cash in the portfolio, generally around 3 to 5% cash right. in the portfolio. But uh, you know, um, the, uh, it, it's, it's been tough for the last 10 years just not having 
the ability to increase the cash in the portfolio. Right. Right. So you're not getting any return on it. Right. So without getting too deeply into you know the nitty gritty, but are there some trends that you I mean we've talked before about EFTs, or, you know some mm-hmm. general trends in, in the market that people should look at or that have changed philosophy over the last um, several years and right. could be in the future in a few years. Right. Well, prior to uh, COVID, we were in a very low return environment, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things uh, back in I'm going to say probably maybe from 2005 on out, EFTs became more popular, uh, exchange-traded funds. Right. These are like mutual funds, but they, they trade all day long during the day like a stock. So they really are considered in the stock category. Mm-hmm. But they could have an index in them, you know, the S&P 500. So they, uh, that's their, uh, uh, their uh, match, so to speak. They want to match the index, the S&P 500 right. index. Right. And um, they're successful in doing that. And the fees for the uh, ETFs are very low. I mean, you, you can get an ETF today for less than uh, 10 basis points. Mm-hmm. Five, some of them are at four basis points, which is a hundredth of a, of a percent of right. a basis point. And uh, most mutual funds, um, you know, they're going to be somewhere between uh, eight tenths of a cent or of a percent or 80 basis points and, and 120 basis points uh, annually as an expense. So if you want to give the client a, a better chance of, uh, of um, getting a return in the portfolio, what you, you work with the things that you can control. And one of the things you can control is the underlying fees for the investments that you're using. Mm-hmm. So um, ETFs have become more popular. They're probably 80% of what we do. We still use a few mutual funds in special cases. Uh, the smaller cap uh, uh, funds uh, don't mm-hmm. work well in uh, ETF format because they don't have enough volume usually. Right. Um, and um, and in some bond funds, uh, we're still using some mutual funds uh, for, right. uh, for the bond category. But we're um, mostly ETFs, especially for the stock portion of the portfolio. Right. Just right. because it reduces the fees and the client uh, stands a chance of getting a better return. Right. Right. Now, some of the general things I uh, noticed in your book, you talk about sort of risk tolerance and risk profiles. And one of the interesting things is uh, you mentioned that, it, you know, you think maybe it changes as you get older. You said, nah, it doesn't really change. <laughs> your risk profile is your risk profile. Right. Talk about that a bit. People are hardwired for risk, um, you know. Um, it, it's, it's interesting because, um, I found years ago before they had all these fancy programs to analyze your risk and, you know, that it'll ask the client to spend an hour answering questions and all that kind of uh, thing. Right. And they'll score their risk category. Right. I found it was put out by the American Management Association, um, probably back in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. It's 11 questions, uh, it was used by Reuters to, not Reuters, to, um, what's the, um, uh, the people that go out and do uh, surveys. Um, oh. It's a famous company that does that. It was used by them okay. uh, over and over to assess people's, uh, you know, tolerance for risk. So I found this and I started using it and, uh, it's been deadly accurate, um, and uh, we've only had to change a client's uh, uh, risk once they took it to change their risk profile once. Because uh, the wife called me up and said, uh, 
the client lied on the questionnaire. <laughs> the market had been going through the roof at that time, and he wanted to be more aggressive. So uh, we sent him another questionnaire, and we had him answer it truthfully, and we, you know, we changed it back to where it should be. Um, but that happens. The clients call us once in a while and say, should I get a little more risky? And, you know, then we go over, you know, what the portfolio will do in, in uh, you know, a downturn. So if the portfolio is down 30 percent, how are you going to feel about that? You know, and, and, and uh, you know, we, <laughs> sometimes they'll, we'll, we'll change it a little bit for them. And other times they'll say, no, 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 leave it alone, you know, because we right. have to remind them what things look like. They don't always we have about five clients that we know the market's about to turn and they're ultra conservative clients mm -hmm. and they feel like they're being left out when the market's going up. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we start hearing from them, <laughs> we know something's going to happen in the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's going to go the other way as soon as they get comfortable. So they like fully comfortable when the market's hitting peaks. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that said, I mean, I, I guess the longevity issue does come in a little bit in, in this in terms of risk tolerance, just just where yeah. Yeah. Uh, you need you know the traditional you know approach as well. As you get older, you get more conservative and you shift the balance of equities and yeah uh, in your portfolio. But but it seems like that's also being you know given given the low returns on the other side that you need to keep in equities longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, some, you know, some people get confused with um, the risk tolerance mm -hmm. and time horizon for the money. So if they have a specific goal, it's not uncommon saying, uh, you know, that uh, somebody just got a bonus. You know, they got a $100,000 bonus and uh, the company was having a very good year and, you know, they took a $100,000 bonus and they want to invest it, but they're going to buy a house in three years. Okay. Well, none of that is going into the stock market. You know, we may buy some treasuries uh, with that money in normal times. Right now, treasuries aren't paying anything. <laughs> right. But, you know, there's, 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 a, a, there's a time horizon that has to be considered for, uh, you know, if you're young and you have a 30-year time horizon, a 35-year time horizon for retirement, for your retirement money, um, you can go equities if you want, but you, you have to, but then your risk tolerance comes in for the, um, the volatility during that period of time. So that's right. where risk tolerance comes in. Right. Um, and uh, so there's, there's two questions there is one, what's the goal for the money and what's the time horizon for that? So as a financial advisor, we know there are certain things we can use for a short time horizon. Right. The client's not going to like it because they're not getting the returns that they're seeing right now, you know, um, for that money. So, right, right. Uh, you know, but it's got to be safe. If, they, if they're buying, you know, a home in three years, they know they're going to be doing that. We have to make sure that that money is there in three years and has earned, you know, has kept up with at least inflation. That's what we're right. going to try to do. Right. In right. a short period of time. Yeah. Well, speaking of homes, you know, this is something also that is sort of, Gone back and forth in terms of you know the home as an investment and um, you know uh, <clears throat> sort of a, a savings account and, and you know right. of course there are certain hot periods I guess now is one of them where you know there's not enough inventory on the market you know people are you know you know you know the real estate has gone up you know skyrocketed I, I think partly because of the pandemic right I think people are looking at 
you know, hard assets. Like oh, definitely. They're in their homes. They, they value their homes. Right. But how should we think about our home as, as an asset and investment? Uh, well, you actually have to think of it as a use asset. You know, you're using okay. it, right? So you're right. getting something out of it. Um, I really, you know, it, it, eventually it may turn into a, uh, you know, an investment that you can sell and, take part of it and put it into your portfolio, which a lot of people do. When homes were appreciating, and they, they are now again because of COVID, people moving out of the cities and every, everything's going up. Um, whether it's here on Long Island or my home in Florida, there's just, and there's no housing on the market. <laughs> you know, right. There's no new housing coming on the market. So the, what happens is you get price pressure and, and it's going up. All part of inflation, which is happening again. We haven't seen a lot of inflation in 20 years really. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, um, when a person is about to retire and maybe they want to downsize the kids are out, they're all successful on their own. They're comfortable with that. They may want to sell the four bedroom home and get a condo someplace where they have no outside maintenance to, to deal with. Um, that's very common and the condo is smaller. It costs less. So, um, the remainder of the proceeds that they get from that um, usually goes into the portfolio and helps with uh, the, their income, producing income. Right, right. Well, I think, yeah, I think, though, that um, certainly I think it, it changed, uh, you know, over the years where, um, you know, you bought a house and I think that people looked at the appreciation of the house without really right. Looking at the fact, like, yeah, okay, so it's double or triple value, but if you prorate it over time, right, it, it usually increases at the about the rate of inflation. Is that right? Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. So when it doesn't, you know, right, <laughs> periods like now, it's more than the rate of inflation, but right, you know, uh, it's temporary until until they building. I know down in Florida, the building is going crazy. They're you know they're building a lot of. Uh, communities down there because right. there's uh, a need for them. People want to move uh, and they want to get out of the cities. They want to be in suburbia. Um, that pressure is all there. Right. Well, I think but that you don't, you, Go ahead. if you want to think about your home's value, think about it in terms of your net worth. It's included in your net worth, mm -hmm. but we don't include it in the asset allocation for the portfolio. So, you know, the, the home is a use asset that's put on the side. Your automobile is a use asset that's put on the side. You know, your portfolio is just your portfolio, and that is used to meet your goals going forward. Right, right. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, certainly um, with the, the house, um, and it, there, there is, you know, then that, that moves, shifts into the retirement equation about how you want to retire. So I think that, you know, and some of the coverage I do in sort of caregiving, you know, the people like to age in place in their mm -hmm. home. Uh, but then, you know, there's a certain comfort, there's a certain feeling of safety, but there's also, you know, calculating the maintenance costs of living mm -hmm. there. And so, you know, at least uh, you, you find lots of cases of, of seniors who are, I guess, what they call house rich, but cash poor, you mm -hmm. know, and, that, you know, people need to sort of think about, okay, how do I want to live? Am I really using all the house that I need? Um, so I think that I think sometimes people, you know, wait too long to make a decision about, okay, maybe we need to downsize. Mm -hmm. Is that a conversation you have with people as well in terms of looking at? Oh, their, definitely. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. 
and uh, the uh, professional organizers that uh, we usually recommend to our clients, you know, when they are downsizing are specifically trained in dealing with people as they're aging, because it's someone that's been in a house 40, 50, sometimes 60 years, um, you know, it's very emotional to them uh, to, to part with something that uh, means a lot to them. So um, a really good professional organizer that helps somebody uh, uh, right size is what they call it. They right. call it downsizing. <laughs> right. Yeah. right size, and it, that's a, true, a good term for it too, because it is really right sizing. You don't need, you know, the 5,000 square foot house that you brought the right. kids up in. You know, you, um, you only, uh, uh, if you're living by yourself, you know, how much do you really need? You know, certainly under 2000. So, you know, um, some people, 1500 square feet is fine. Yeah. But you know, when you come from that big house, you don't want to go down too small because then they don't like it. They want to move, you know, so you got to give them enough space that they feel like they have uh, enough space to uh, feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But there are lots of ways to get space. I mean, some I'm not pitching for retirement communities, but there are ways that you could have smaller personal space, but have, greater communal space um right you know and, and, and right. as you were mentioning you know when when you start looking at your house and especially if your kids are grown and out you know it's like okay this this is really nice and comfortable but how many rooms do we actually use over the course of the day right, right? right. four you know yeah yeah you know so i think that that's something um to really consider um so now we're, we're sort of heading into the retirement, you know, the, the retirement planning. And one of the things right. is, you know, certainly in terms of holding on to your house, but then the other equation besides saving more is working longer. And, uh, you know, it, it, how does that come up in your conversations with people about retirement? Well, <laughs> I'm a good example of that. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Um, I don't have any other hobbies. So, uh, you know, um, this business started as a hobby and mm-hmm. became a business and, uh, it's something I love doing. And so, uh, I relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, when clients want to do something, um, you know, after being 30 years at a corporation, nine to five job every, every day, and, and you know, um, all of a sudden they lose their identity. Right. Right. You know, and uh, we, we've seen both good and bad <laughs> with this. Um, you know, we've had clients. We have one client, the wife called, called Roe huh. and said, uh, and she was whispering on the phone because her husband had retired and he was okay. there. You know, this is after they together. You know, he'd been retired about six months. She was whispering to my wife, Roe, on the phone. She says, <laughs> got to get him out of here. I'm ready to kill him. Mm-hmm. So I said, why? She said, he's in the kitchen telling me how to cook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, she had personal space that he's now invading, you know, right. uh, where before he had his personal space at work, you know, right. Uh, right. the old model where, you know, you had a housewife and yeah. my husband went to work, you know. Um, yeah. My father left, you know, left, to, he continued to work after he left his engineering job. But, uh, yeah. All of a sudden, in those years, he, he suddenly became an expert in grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Much the consternation of our mom, but uh, yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, so Ron, we're going to another, take another quick break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to keep talking about retirement and also how that fits into your notion of uh, 
financial geriatrics about, you know, uh, living in retirement, you know, uh, how much you need to live at that point and how that fits into your things like healthcare costs and, and planning for, um, you know, legacy and state issues. Right, so, right. folks, uh, don't come back. Don't go away. Uh, we'll be coming back with more from Ron Roger. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks, to 45 Forward. We're talking today with Ron Roger, the author of The Banker and the Fisherman. Um, before we continue our conversation on last segment with Ron, I want, just wanted to mention that you can find out much more about him by going to his website, rwrogerroge.com, where you can find a number of useful financial tools, published articles and many topics, and a description of uh, his services, which include financial planning services for a whole diverse set of um, clients from families and individuals, professionals, entrepreneurs, couples, women, families with children, and widows and widowers. So covers the full gamut. So um, so now, Ron, talking about the last you know segment here, um, you know, planning during retirement um, and some of what you call financial geriatrics, I mean, one of the, the big issues these days, as you all know, is um, health care costs. And how do you talk to clients about how to prepare for these costs? Well, you know, you know, when you're working, if you're working for a company, hopefully, they, you know, they're providing uh, medical insurance um, and uh, via healthcare. And uh, when you retire, some companies will carry it. Some will put you on COBRA, and then if you're not yet age 65 for Medicare, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to uh, provide your own insurance. So that's one of the issues in retiring early. So when someone tells us they're going to retire early, we have to take a look at, let's say they want to retire at 55. Um, we'll have to take a look at their medical coverage, um, you know, what's going to be available to them because it right. can be a real burden um, on the expenses. And, um, you know, Medicare is uh, a pretty good program. 
um, you know, for, uh, for most of us. Right. Uh, does a good job. And, uh, um, you know, 65 and over, you're covered by that. So you don't right. have to worry about it. But people have other expenses, uh, other medical expenses that are, are not covered. So uh, the supplemental uh, uh, Medicare coverage, uh, we recommend that people get that. Uh, right. Right. So that there's no uh, big expenses uh, right. that they're surprised with, right? And um, you know there are other there are other ways in retirement to um, uh, you know if you're if you're disabled uh, you know and, and want to uh, uh, and you can't work anymore and mm-hmm. uh, you, um, you need a place to live and people taking care of you like uh, we've mentioned before this. Um, that can be a burden in terms of expenses. So nursing home, assisted living, uh, in care home, um, you need to start discussing those things uh, right. before you need them and right. how you're going to pay for them. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's just not the medical, it's, uh, you know, things that aren't paid for by, uh, you know, your medical insurance. So, right. you right. know, long, long-term care insurance, um, is expensive, but it, uh, boy, when you need it, you know, we've had clients tell us cause Roe is, uh, you know, she's not only an insurance expert, she's an expert and she, by the way, we don't sell anything. We don't sell any insurance products, but she, uh, recommends the clients that they do, uh, and she reviews the policies for them to make sure it mm-hmm. has all the features. And, but, uh, you know, it's, um, we had a client that purchased it for his parents and right. both the mother and father needed needed right. it and uh, um, boy when that when that kicked in he said he, he was singing the praises that Roe you know talked him into it he you know it's expensive so they you know they really didn't want to do it but boy he said it was worth every penny when when he had to use it for both his mom and his dad yeah yeah I think most people don't realize uh, at least until they get into it further down the line that uh, yes Medicare covers medical expenses covers about 80% of it, then you can get a supplemental plan. But then there's this whole aspect of, of care, custodial right. care, that's not covered by Medicare. Yep. And so, you you know, you really have, I guess, basically three options, right? You do private pay, you pay yourself. Um, you get a long-term insurance, long-term care insurance policy, or on Medicaid, you know, which is, you yeah. know, something that people do do. Uh, but I think that it's, you know, and a lot of people do it, and, and I think you know it's being basically, you know, used uh, by the middle class who can't afford long-term right. care insurance. Or, um, but you know, and I think that uh, you know, um, I, I have a, a policy. I think one of the things that people stumps people is that well, what if I never use it? You know, so it's expensive, right. and I never use it. But, but now there, there. Are, Insurance policies that write are, are right. these are hybrid policies for mm-hmm. life insurance and long-term care, right? Right, right. And, and in addition to the uh, to those types of policies, there's a another option. Uh, you can move into a life care community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy into these places um, and um, and pay a monthly fee, which is expensive. Uh, but you've got total care. They're going to take care of you. Um, no matter what. So, uh, a lot of people, my parents did this and, okay. uh, um, they were in a life care community for 12, 13 years and they loved it. 
They, mm-hmm. um, you know, the people they were with, uh, um, I think they had about 300 um, mm-hmm. units. Yeah. And so, you know. Explain some, a bit more about what life care communities are. I'm yeah, familiar with it, but yeah, perhaps some of yeah, our listeners are not. There's, there's a couple, usually a couple of options to buy in. You can put up cash up front where there's no refund. Um, and uh, th- there, is, there is a prorated refund if you decide to leave within like the next three or four years, whatever it is that, you know. Uh, and then there's another one where uh, the money will actually be refunded to your estate. Um, so you would uh, put up a larger amount and uh, it would go to the estate. Uh, it doesn't earn interest. They, they use that money. They invest that money to earn interest to run the life care community. Um, and uh, you will pay a, a monthly rental. Mm-hmm. Um, but they guarantee you, pretty much guarantee you, um, you know, you have independent living, which right. where, is usually where most people start out. Right. And then they can get assisted living. Right. And then uh, if you need more than assisted living, what we would n- normally say is, in, you know, nursing home type care. Yeah, skilled nursing facility. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's, uh, you move up to skilled care, you know, right. skilled right. nursing care. Um, so they have all of that right there on the property. Um, and uh, they have nurses on staff and doctors come in and out once in a while to, uh, like patient office visits and things like that, but you still have your own doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's quite nice. I mean, they have movie theaters, they have outings, they have uh, take people to the theater in the city and, you know, things like that. So um, there's a big social life around this. So, right. um, and, and at that point, you only need to have your um, Medicare and uh, most of the people are over 65 that are in these uh, mm-hmm. um, life care communities right. and uh, probably the average age is in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So some people 65 don't want to move in because it's not their age group. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. Not enough of their age group. Right. And, uh, but uh, you know, uh, if you can find a really good one and there are good ones around mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, if you can afford to uh, um, pay for it, yeah. um, you know, uh, it, it's a good, it's a good uh, choice. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to a lot of your initial questions about, you know, how do you want to live? You know, what's what's important to you, what's not important to you? You know, so um, do you you sit down with clients and every, you know, I don't know, say every five years, you know, just sit down and go through sort of a priority. Like, what are you thinking? What's what's important to you? What what are your your values now? What are you thinking that might have changed over the last few years? We reach out to the clients every year to see if they need a plan update. You know, has anything significant? significant change uh, with them? Uh, have any of their goals changed? Uh, you know, we want to do a plan update if that happens. We want right. to sit down and talk to them and do a plan update. And I would say, you know, we have clients that, no, I'm, I'm on track and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I don't want to change anything. And, um, and of course, along the way, you know, a spouse will pass away and that changes a lot of things. Right. Uh, we try not to, um, we try to encourage uh, the situation there was a widow or a widower uh, not to make any big decisions within the first year mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, give them a chance to grieve uh, because you're not going to make good decisions for yourself uh, when things aren't uh, normal for you. Right. Uh, it takes a while. 
Right. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe towards the end of that year, we'll start getting them thinking about, uh, you know, what they want to do. Um, right. Right. If they don't go out and get remarried immediately and then tell us afterwards. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's happened. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it, yeah. it, it's, um, we communicate quite a bit with the clients during the right. year. So right. things will come up and then we'll, we'll probably even, um, bring the subject up about redoing the plan or, right. you know, doing an update plan update. Um, which they don't get charged for. So, uh, you know, basically it's part of our, our annual fee. Right, right. So, you know, it's built into that. Yeah. And one thing that often comes up is just the, the idea of reverse mortgages in terms of preserving cash and, you know, if people want to stay in their homes, but they become cash poor. You know, I mean, I, I know the industry has gone through a number of changes over the years. They've changed the products and you get different bases pitching them now. I guess Tom Selleck. <laughs> Since we were, you know, a retiring actors club that, that does all these pitches, or Joe Namath, you know. Yeah. But what is the, your what is your thoughts? And the fonts. Don't forget the fonts. The fonts. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, what what's your sense of that? Just quickly, Ron. Just, yeah. Well, you know, it's it, there's there's nothing wrong with them, but they they have very high fees. Uh, they they're going to value your home, and and uh, they're going to create the uh, the income stream based on. Uh, probably a 40% discount of what your home is worth. So there's some actuarial mathematics going on there mm-hmm. and they're betting on how long you're going to live and, uh, you know, and hope you, um, you know, you, you don't uh, have to sell the place. I mean, because then, you know, there's going to be transactions going on there. Right. So whenever there's a transaction, there's going to be fees associated with it. So, right. Right. Um, right. So we, we don't encourage it. Uh, if the client doesn't need it, why do it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, is our philosophy, you know, uh, but you can know it's there as a safety net. Uh, God forbid, you know, you run out of money and you got to get money from someplace besides social security and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever your portfolio is, is down because right. you overspent, right. Uh, you know, um, then that's a, that's a last resort. It's a last resort. It's a tool yeah. in the toolbox, but right. of the last resort, right? Okay. Well, uh, there's a lot more we can talk about, and perhaps we'll have you back for another show, but we're going to have to leave it there for today. Okay. Uh, thank you. I want to thank you very much for your enlightening discussion, Ron. Um, and uh, it's going to be a topic for many years as we all enter the second half of our life. Um uh, t- tell your friends, folks, if they missed our conversation today, uh, they can still listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com, searching my show, 45 Forward, or go to my website, robotresources.com, and uh, just click on the 45 Forward tab, and uh, you can listen to it there. Uh, if people have questions for comments for you, Ron, uh, best way to reach you, uh, Ron at rwroger.com. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They can... Uh send in any questions they want great okay so folks uh, be sure to join me next monday 12 noon pacific 3 p.m eastern and i'll be talking with lisa Strauss lawrence guest we've had before but this time we'll be on a very different topic how people can make life-changing decisions about their careers so until then keep moving forward 45 forward <music> 
Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.